Hey everyone, well it's Father's Day weekend, so uh, you know, we're going to start with some, uh, some puns. <laughs> It'll be less satisfying for me because I won't actually hear your groans through the camera, but uh, here goes. Uh, what is E.T. short for? Because he's only got tiny legs. What did the drummer name his two twin daughters? Anna one, Anna two. The drummer behind the camera likes that one. What do you call the boss at Old McDonald's Farm? A C-I-E-I-O. <laughs> How do you deal with a fear of speed bumps? You don't, you just slowly get over it. And lastly, what do you call, everyone calm down behind the camera. What do you call bears with no ears? B. <laughs> I can feel your distaste through the camera and I don't even care. Well, this weekend is Father's Day weekend and uh, Father's Day is a day uh, set aside for us to remember dads. And, and some of us might be quick to maybe think that fatherhood is just kind of a given, maybe even uh, dismiss healthy fatherhood as a given, that it just kind of happens. But, but that's not true. And sadly, when we look at statistics, it's actually frightening not only to see the abandonment of fatherhood, but, but the result of that trend. Uh, the percentage of children with absentee fathers is growing. It's close to 50%. And the results are, it's bad for families. Information from the U.S. Census, this is back in 2017, tells us that children who grow up without fathers are four times more likely to be in poverty. 70% of adolescents in substance abuse treatment are from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavioral disorders are from homes without fathers. Teen girls without a father are seven times more likely to become pregnant as teenagers. Children have a higher rate of drug and alcohol abuse in homes without a father. So, guys, from a social, economic, and a health standpoint, there is a benefit to children having a father in the home, or in some cases, a father-type figure, someone who steps in to mentor. So, so Dad... Those of you who want to be dads or, or act as a dad to others, you are needed. And I say that to you because in a day when fathers are often portrayed as, as bumbling idiots in sitcoms and commercials, or these days simply considered an, un an unnecessary option to child rearing as if it's, it has nothing to do with the health or future of, of, of a child, 50% of dads report they, they feel that they're underappreciated or unneeded. So fathers, I wanna say you're needed. And we know this is not only for socioeconomic reasons, not simply for emotional reasons, which are all important, but for spiritual health as well. And this can be very hard, especially when some of us maybe haven't had good dads to look at. We don't even have a, a clue what a model of a good dad would be. Where do we look to find the heart and the example of a good father? So today, I want us to look at a story that that most of you, if not all of you, will be familiar with the story often referred to as the prodigal son. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to Luke 15, verses 11 to 32. The, the prodigal son is a, is a story that Jesus told a parable. And whenever Jesus told a parable, he was trying to tell us something about what the kingdom of God was like or how we needed to, to maybe change the way we think about certain things in light of the kingdom of God or to teach us about the heart of God, often looking at God in different ways to understand him better. So Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. 
And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, when he came to this realization, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Slice that sucker up. Let's eat. Let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. But that's not the end of the story. His older son says in verse 25 was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these, these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate my, with my friends. And when this son of yours, who you can almost hear the, the dripping animosity, when this son of yours came, not my brother, this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Well, guys, there's, there's little debate in this story about who, who is who. Most people agree God is represented in this, this forgiving father. We are the prodigal, and we are sometimes the older son, and probably more often than not, we're both of these sons combined, actively rejecting God in areas of our lives while we judge others for missing the mark in other areas. Uh, everyone, to some degree, understands themselves to be the prodigal. We have all been the prodigal. We want to go our own way. We want to make our own rules, uh, escape from God's eye, escape from his opinion. And what happens is that when we escape God's rule and push away from him, we also tend to feel alone and at the end of ourselves. There are aspects to this story that make the prodigal son quite heartless, actually, and the father extremely giving. Guys, to ask a father for an inheritance in the ancient Jewish world before the father had died was kind of like saying, I wish you were dead. The, the only thing keeping me from getting what I want is you being alive. So how about I just live like you're dead? So those listening to Jesus' parable would, would have gasped at the audacity and the disrespect of this son, but they, they also would have been surprised and maybe even judged harshly in, in a shame culture, the actions of the father. How could he let his son treat him like this? How could he be taken advantage of 
by his son like this. The son seemingly had no problem asking this, asking this favor from his dad. And also, this, this prodigal son, he kind of butted in. It, he wasn't even the oldest. It wasn't just him about getting what he would someday get. He, he was doing it in the wrong order. The oldest son is given the inheritance first, then the younger. So imagine this anger. You can understand it in the older son over these actions. Now, what happens? The son goes off like a, like a prodigal. And what happens in verses 13 and 14? Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took it on a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property. He got rid of it all in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Now, notice what happened. He squandered his money, but that isn't the only reason things go badly. It's interesting that that many in other cultures who read this text with a non-Western eye do not necessarily point to his spending as the reason things so, go so badly for him, but to the fact that there's a famine as well, an uncontrollable event that hits him at a bad time when he's away from his father. We're quick to jump to bad spending where they see the, the, the elements as, as outside of their control playing a part. Well, it puts him in a place where no traditional Jewish person wants to be, the very kind of place many Jews would say, this son deserves, after treating his father the way he did, he deserves to be with the pigs, ritually unclean pigs, alone and hungry. And you see here, the light go off. Now, you and I have been there, right? Where we said, where am I? Why why did I ever walk away? Why did I ever deny my father that way? Now, that can be a very difficult place to be, and it can be a very damaging, shameful place to live in and stay in. We, we can stay there and stew in the filth, or we can actively pursue reconciliation. This is true for you and I every day. You and I have met those who, who live in the mud. They, they wait in the muck and the filth, and they call it home. Self-doubt and self-guilt. But the prodigal son doesn't do that. Why? Because he knows his father's heart. And so he starts rehearsing a speech to himself. He thinks to himself, I can go back. I can go back even as a servant. I, 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 don't, have, I don't have the right to call myself part of the family anymore, but even as a servant, that is better than this. So in verse 18, he says, I'll arise, I'll go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And I can almost picture the prodigal walking on his long journey home, repeating this to himself, getting this down. He wants to make sure he gets it right. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Sin against heaven, I sinned against I've sinned against heaven. I, I've sinned against the way that that brings life. The, the, the heaven ordained way to do life is with my father, and I toss that away. So he makes his way to his father's house. His, his head is down as he approaches, he's working on a speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And his father says to it says, seize him from a distance. He sees him with his head down, repeating this to himself. And what does the father do? In verse 20, he says, he arose he came as, he, as he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, I don't know what the son expected. <laughs> Probably like as he had said in his speech, he was maybe hoping for servanthood. That was the best option available, he thought. But he did not expect or feel he deserved this. The father, the one sinned against, the one in the right, the one owed an apology, running and hugging and kissing and acting like he's the winner in this story. Now, this isn't, I don't think this text is quoted often enough as a verse describing the love and heart of God for his children, for you and I, that he runs and he embraces and he kisses. For 
for those who return for God, for those who approach him. And I love that the son, while the father is doing this, he's still working on his speech. While the father is hugging and kissing, he's saying, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father stops him right there. You might remember there's more to his speech. His speech included, treat me as one of your hired hands. But once the father hears his son say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, he says, stop right there. He cuts him off. See, the the son made the same mistake that we often make. As if we have a choice whether or not the father's going to love us and call us children. The father says, stop right there, son. No, No more crazy talk. He says, but the father, the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. We need to remind him that he's part of this family. Bring it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now, there's a whole list of things he does for his son. Knowing his son's history, I maybe would have started with a bath, but that's fine. The father skips that. He clothes him. He reminds him of who he is and who he belongs to. Guys, I don't know what path brings you here today to to watch this. I don't know what path you've been walking down this week, maybe squandering your relationship with God for for kind of short-lived pleasures and excitement. Maybe you've you've found yourself among the swine, metaphorically, or you're you're on a path that's going to get you there soon. But guys, this is always the response of God to repentance. This is always the response of our Heavenly Father to our return. Some of us know, some of us are people that, some of us know people that we, we don't like to apologize to. Why? Because we know that the apology is going to be met with, well, you should be. Because when you did that, you did this, you did this, God skips all that. The Father skips that. And he, and he just lavishes and loves and proclaims his love for you and for me. See, the, the son thought he would get punishment, but he received a party. Well, as we see, not everyone is in favor of this party, this response. The older son, where is he? Well, he's in the field, like a good son. He's doing the work he's supposed to be doing, probably doing a little extra because he had to take on the slack of his younger brother. But you and I, we've all been the older son as well. We hate injustice and we want to see the punishment happen. We, we desire to, to be seen when we do what's right and get recognition. And if some of us are honest, we don't like easy grace. Well, he hears music, he hears people having a good time, and he says, what's going on? Well, the servant says, your dad's throwing a party for your brother who's home. Aren't you excited? He's not, he's fuming. Standing outside the party with his, his arms crossed, now he's working on a speech. His father comes out, he says, Come on, we, we have reason to celebrate. But it says in verse 29, we hear the older son's speech. He says, look, these many years I've served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son, which has treated you with such disdain, comes home and you throw him a party. And the dad, you, you can kind of just sense the, the joy that the dad has, and he's not going to let anything get in the way of it. He says, and this is important, he says in verse 31, son, you are always with me, and all this is my, all, all that is mine is yours. So he's saying, what more can I give you? Everything I have already belongs to you. You live in my house. You live in relationship with me. I'm always with you. See, the, the older son was missing the point, just like the prodigal son was. The best thing to be attained is relationship with the father. 
If you have that, you have what you need. That is the party. That is the prize. That is everything the son searched for when he left. And it's and what's missing, even while it was right in front of the older son. Above the inheritance, above recognition, above a party is being with the father. We've all been the older son. Why is that person blessed in that way? Why does that Christian who's living the same kind of life, why do they have a more successful job? Why are they making more money than I am? Why, why do they have a more put together family than I do? The story of the prodigal son and the older brother asks us to examine why we call ourselves Christ followers. Why, why we aim our hearts and, des- and desires towards him. Why we identify as people of faith. Is it the blessing and the benefit or is it God himself? If we're waiting for benefits or making ultimatums with God, we will find ourselves wandering when we don't get what we want. The Apostle Paul, an earlier follower of Jesus, he got this. It's what sustained him in prison cells and and in poverty and, and in persecution. Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need for, and he's writing this in prison, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Why? Because he's the prize. It's not health. It's not wealth. It's not the perfect marriage. It's not the perfect kids. It's not the perfect job. Those are often wonderful byproducts of of us making God the ultimate win. But ultimately, we need the Father. We desire the Father as a reminder that we are loved by a Father and, and a model of how to love well as a Father. Anyone who's been a Father for any amount of time has been in big and small ways uh, seen their children test limits, to take advantage of them, to pull back, to reject, to disrespect. Anyone who's been a father of more than one knows the call to step in and correct minor injustices, to, to listen to two angles or three angles of the same story, to deal with disunity in relationships, in the family, and to do our best to counsel and to bring wisdom to the situation. And anyone who's been a father long enough has had his heart broken not only by rejection, but also by the unwise, life-draining choices made by those who we'd give our lives for. In the Father, we see a heart that runs towards reconciliation when the world would say, bring a heavy hammer down, play, play your role as head of the home, shame and guilt. Our Heavenly Father says, celebrate a returned child and have a party. Run towards them and embrace and, and cover them with kisses. The world doesn't just need more biological dads who think they've done their job when they procreate. It needs gospel-animated, active fathers who take their model of, of parental authority from the father of the prodigal son. Guys, I've spoken to fathers angry at their sons, angry for decades because their sons have not repented of past sins against them. And I've listened in those same conversations to lists that these fathers have held onto as the reasons they have anger in their hearts towards their children. How different than the father on the other side of our repentance, waiting with a a forgiving embrace who will hardly let us get out our confession because he's so excited to have relationship reestablished. May each of us, brothers and sisters of Christ and sons and daughters of God, 
daily turn from the muck we pursue and and walk with humility towards our Father, knowing that he waits for us to come around the corner so he can cover us with kisses. And may we who call ourselves fathers, grandfathers, spiritual fathers, look to God the Father in his willingness to pursue and welcome and forgive. When the prodigal son was down and out, there was something about his father that made him know he could approach him. And he would at, that, that at some level, he would be brought back in, even as a servant. He, he, he didn't have a full understanding of what that meant, but he, he knew there was some level of safety there. Well, you and I have what the prodigal did not fully have. We know the heart of God, the Father. We know the love of God expressed through Christ, who, although he was equal with God, gave that up to die and take on his shoulders the sin of all prodigals. All those who've rejected God, all those who have lived lives of offense before God, all those who at times have said to God the Father, I'd like your benefits, but I'd rather be happier without you. He is the Father who runs towards us, who embraces us, and almost before we get the words out, says you're forgiven and you are welcome here. Church, I pray this would be a reminder of the loving Father we worship and adore. Fathers, may this be a reminder to us of the important work we have been called to as fathers, modeled by our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Heavenly Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you love us in this manner unconditionally. We thank you for seeking us out when we go astray. There have been times when we've Related to each character in this parable, we've been the the prodigal running as far and as fast from you as our legs can carry us, and yet you wait for us with open arms. Father, we we confess we have been the eldest entitled son, feeling dejected by you despite your faithfulness. Help us to see how much you love us, desire us, so that we will not be blind and miss out on your celebration. Jesus, help us to strive to be more like the Father, always responding in love and grace and running to reconcile and quick to forgive. Amen. Church, I love you. God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and may he give you his eternal peace. Till we see you again. God bless you.